funny being 43 years old now and looking back on uh, college days or right after college days, I remember I was kind of in that phase of looking for a job, networking, applying for positions, and there's only so much you can do. And you still have all this free time and literally no other responsibilities. And I remember having these three hour devotionals by the time, reading scripture, reading commentaries, praying, and just going, wow, this is awesome. Know, this, is, this is what it's meant to be. But then you get past that stage of life where you don't have a job and then you have a job and have all that free time and you realize there's just no time to have three hour devotionals anymore. And I mean, I guess I do because that's literally my job is to read scripture, read commentaries, and pray four hours and hours. But most everyone doesn't have that privilege of being able to do that with family and, and jobs and, and other responsibilities. But it is, I believe, possible to be mindful of God, worshipful of God throughout the day. And we're going to talk about it today, how we're called to abide in Christ throughout our day. We're going to try to answer some of these questions. How can I abide in Christ more throughout the day? Or how can I make my work day more devotional and worshipful? Or how can I depend on Christ more as I work. We're going to look at some of these things. Those things are good questions to ask. I think when we look at the reality of our lives, we're faced with some temptations or struggles that we, we often come up against as just human beings that are broken. We can be prone to these things. We can be prone to really not knowing what does it mean to pray without ceasing. Or we can be prone to compartmentalize God at certain times of the day. We might have a great you know, devotional time right at the beginning, and then the rest of the day, God can be very absent from our lives. We can not know what it means to live all of our life in worship to God. We can think worship is coming to church on Sunday or showing up to church for a certain thing, and yet not know how it connects with the ins and outs of our everyday life. How does Sunday worship translate to our work on Monday? We can rush around like chickens with our heads cut off in the busyness of life, and we can forget that Jesus is the means through which Everything that we do is accomplished. It is to be pleasing in God's eyes. So we're going to look at simply this main point today. We are called to abide in Jesus throughout the day. We are called to abide in Jesus throughout the day. So we're going to take a look at um, just not the whole text that was read today, but really just focusing on verses 4 and 5, touching on some other parts that were read. And really honing on this phrase, abide in me and I abide in you. What does that mean? When Jesus says we are going to abide in Him and He in us. So just to read that, verses 4 and 5 again. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So just that phrase, abide in me and I in you, has been translated in some other ways to help us again understand the scope of the meaning. It's been translated in NIV, remain in me and I will remain in you. Or stay, another version, stay united with me as I with you. Or again, a different version, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. And then in the message it says, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. So we get different words used here. Um, abide, remain, staying united, staying joined, living in God. 
gives us, again, a sense of what does it mean to abide? Abide is not a word that we use commonly every day. I don't think, has anyone used the word abide this week? Literally not. Now think of the context when Jesus said this. John chapter 15. And Jesus spoke these words either during or literally right after the Passover, the Passover meal, the last supper before he went to the cross. So right there, present or in their mind or literally present would have been wine, right? The fruit of the grapes. And so this imagery of vine and branches and, and fruit, the grapes, which the wine was made from, this was very common imagery you know, for the, the culture of that time. We do have vineyards in Iowa, but I haven't, I don't come across them that often in my daily life. But these are images that have been burned into people's brains. Now it's important as we look at this wording, abide in me and I in you. Now we understand that these words are not conditional. Jesus is not saying, if you abide in me, then I will abide in you. That's not the essence of the meaning he's saying here. He's talking about this this reciprocal relationship that exists in the unity that we have in Christ through faith in Him. Now, it is interesting that in the Greek, uh, the ESV is translated. Usually, ESV is very uh, faithful to the, tries to be faithful to the grammar of the Greek. So, abide in me and I in you, that's how the Greek is written. I in you sounds a bit strange because it feels like it's missing some, a verb or something like that. And in fact, the Greek leaves out the verb, right? It doesn't say abide in you and I will abide in you. So some other translators have chosen to add those in to clarify the meaning. But the Greek again does not have there. But I think regardless of that, it's important to see that Jesus is not saying, I will only abide in you if you come to me. He's trying to again describe the reality of the relationship between him um, and the church. And he brings to, again, he brings to mind this imagery of the vine and the branches. Right? So the vine is the main stalk out of which the branches grow, and from the branches grow the grapes. And it's this great imagery of this complete oneness between the vine and the branches, between Jesus and his people. And yet at the same time, the imagery also holds this tension because the branches can be pruned off of the vine. They are inseparable on one hand, and yet at the same time can be taken off without damaging the vine. In fact, it could bring life to the vine if the dead branches were not, uh, were, were sapping nourishment without really growing it. Now when we talk about abiding in Christ in terms of our relationship with God, I think it's helpful to, to understand that it is about our relationship with God. And if we were to imagine what does that mean for us to abide in Him, then if we think about our human relationships, it's it's going to be at least what God is going to do, at least as close as our closest human relationship. That God is calling us to that kind of relationship, to abide in Him in that way, where the closest is at least as close as our closest relationship that we can imagine. That there's a back and forth communication, a sense of presence of the other person. Now, obviously, having said that, we all understand that. God is not this tangible person like we have in other relationships. And so it can bring to mind, well, it seems very hard to imagine it being as close as my closest friendship 
when God is not present here with me. And that is the picture that Jesus describes here in the vine and the branches and abiding in that vine, abiding in Christ. And so I think part of what God is trying to say to us, the closeness that we have with God is far more than we realize and far more than we feel. We often don't feel that we are very close to God, that God is not there. And yet the objective reality of what God is saying is that if you have faith in me, you are bound up with me like a vine and a branch. And you draw all of your life and nourishment from me. No matter what you feel or experience, God is completely connected to you through faith in Jesus Christ. And that means our life of faith is this adventure of experiencing more and more deeply that presence of God in us, that closeness that we already objectively have with God. We may not feel it. And as with all relationships, there can be ups and downs of the relationship of how close we feel with that person or with God. And yet, the hope is, over the long run of the relationship, is that there's an increasing sense of closeness, intimacy with God that reflects the actual reality of the relationship already. Abiding with Jesus means having this life-giving connection with Him. A branch is connected to the vine, the vine to the branch, and this is what theologians, this imagery is what theologians often use to describe union with God. When theologians say that we as people have union with God, this imagery of the vine and the branch is a great imagery for it. The branch is dependent on the vine. But the vine is not dependent on the branch. The branch gets its life and power from the vine. The vine, Jesus Christ, is our nourishment, our life, our ability to grow and accomplish things. Fruit in our life comes through our connection to Jesus the vine. If we don't abide in that vine, we don't abide in the vine of Jesus, then we will wither away spiritually. Now, what, what are some of the general things that this passage points us to and how, how we are abiding in Jesus? Some of these things are going to be quite obvious, but I think important to point to, especially since the passage points to it. But it's always a good reminder. Verse 7 says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So in this, this one verse, we get pointed to the importance of the practice of prayer and meditation in God's word. My words abide in you. Point, this phrase points us to the need for all Christians to meditate on God's word. God speaks to us through his word, through scripture. God guides us to understand and interpret Scripture through the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. Our union with God means the Holy Spirit lives in us. And as we read God's Word, the Holy Spirit illumines the truth in God's Word to us. The appropriate point to that today is the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, in the most dramatic way, the church was shown that the Holy Spirit comes into the people of God. That Jesus left, not just to leave them alone, without the presence of God, but he left in order to fill them in an even more intimate way than walking side by side with Jesus, to fill them with the presence of God, to fill them with the Holy Spirit. And so this union with God is made only possible through the Holy Spirit 
then dwelling us. It is the Holy Spirit that joins us to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that joins the branch to the vine. That's why we need regular time in God's Word. To hear from God. To hear God speak through it. When you read Scripture, you read with a sense of expectancy that God has a word for you. That God wants to speak to you and reveal something to you. When you come to church on Sunday, you heard, hear God's word preach to you. Do you come with a hunger? God, say something to me today. Convict me, comfort me where I'm at. Jesus said, my word is He speaks through his words in scripture. And then he also says in this verse, ask whatever you wish. And that's a simple pointing us to our need to speak back to God, to communicate with God, to pray our heart's desires to God, how we are to pray for our needs according to His will in His name. Now, we don't always know what it means to pray according to His name, not pray according to His will in His name. But I think, in general, God said, just on the big God, whatever your needs are, bring them to There is a reality that we are in check. Whether there are prayer requests or points to his will that said in his name. I remember a friend of mine who had just put her name in a raffle for a car. And I was quite amused by this because she came to a group of us and said, Please pray for me. I want to win this BMW. I'm like, uh, uh, definitely praying all of your needs to God, but I'm not sure about whether this is praying for you. I'm not just 
supposed to feel this great love for you? Matthew 7 says this, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, the workers of lawlessness. And in Romans 14, the Apostle Paul says this, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. I'm not eating things. Sacrifice to idols. Because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Apart from me, you can do nothing. These other verses remind us as Christians that God holds us accountable not just to results. We're not just pragmatists seeking to achieve the bottom line. It is not even just achieving results and doing it for the right motivation. God holds us accountable to results, motivations, and the means through which we accomplish the results. We are called to good results, good motivations, and good means. And as we begin to remember that, we realize how hard it is then to do what is pleasing to God. What is pleasing to God requires good results, a good motivation, and a good means of accomplishing it. Think of a very simple everyday life example from parenting. We all have a parenting. We wouldn't exist without parents. And some of you have children, so even uh, brings home even more. Assume I am trying to teach my child, speak to my child about how they need to speak kindly to their siblings. Okay? Assume that I succeed in teaching my child to speak kindly to their siblings. Assume that I am motivated that they bring glory to God for their kindness, that they experience the joy of speaking kindly to others, and that they, they and that I'm motivated that they show love to the people around them. So assume all those things, and yet, what if I accomplish that result by yelling at my children? You will speak kindly to your brother. Well then, have I not, one, proven myself to be a complete hypocrite by yelling at my child to accomplish this result, no matter how good the result was, no matter how great my motivations were for that child to speak in that way? Also, falling short of what God calls me to. The means, that, the means of achieving something matters. When we don't take into consideration the means through which we accomplish something, and we turn a blind eye to the unintended consequences that come with achieving something through whatever means we think is suitable apart from God. So when we talk about bearing fruit by abiding in Christ, we are reminded what you accomplish is fruit in your lives. Why you accomplish something, we talked about that last week, why you accomplish something is also fruit in your lives. How you accomplish something is also fruit in your lives. God wants to grow in us. The what, the why, and the how are all God's eyes. The results, the motivations, and the means. And 
Jesus says here in this passage of the vine and the branches that a big part of the means, the big part of the how, is through Jesus Christ. We might do the best things for God, motivated by the best of motivations, and then if we don't do it through Jesus Christ, through dependence on Jesus Christ, then we miss a big part of what God has called us to be, that we're to accomplish it through the ability and the strength and the wisdom that God has given us, that we accomplish these things through the covering of Jesus' blood over the, our flaws. All of our attempts at doing anything is all in some way to modify us according to a standard. And it reminds us of this simple truth, how much we need the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It says to us, we need the gospel every moment of our life. We need to accomplish anything Jesus always lived during his years on earth accomplishing good results with good motivations, with good means, always dependent on his Father in heaven. Never going rogue on himself and his own strength, depending on his Father. And this is why we so deeply need Jesus. This is why we so deeply need to be dependent on Jesus. When we ask ourselves, what have we done that have been achieved good results through good, with good motivations, through good means? We begin to see probably not that many things, if anything at all. Always falling short in at least one category. Yet through Christ, we are forgiven. But there was a wrong motivation, a wrong means, a wrong result. We are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for our sins. And we are instead filled with Christ's perfect obedience. Perfect results, perfect motivations, perfect means. And so, I should have asked us to say this, but I didn't. But how appropriate it would be for our hearts then to go to the great thing. I need thee, oh I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. We come to Christ. Because we need Because we depend on Him to accomplish anything that is pleasing in His eyes. Thinking about what does it mean for us to then live this out in our everyday life, in our, in our work, where it's so easy to separate God off from what we do on a daily basis. I think the Hebrew word for worship and work sheds much light on what work should be. The Hebrew word is avoda, and avoda gets translated in some verses as work, and in some verses it gets translated as worship, showing the incredible overlap exists between those two things. Exodus 34 says, Six days you shall avoda, you shall work. Psalm 104 says, Then man goes out to his avoda, to his work, to his labor, until evening. But then in other verses, Exodus 8, 
This is what the Lord said. Let my people go so that they may abode, not work, so that they may worship me. Joshua 24. But as for me and my household, we will abode the Lord. We will worship the Lord. As for me, Joshua says, I will abode. I will worship through all of my Right. Abide in Christ as you seek to do those things. 
Lastly, pray without ceasing. Scripture says, pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean be on your knees all day long. Brother Lawrence, in his little booklet, Practicing the Presence of God, says this. If he sometimes, he's talking about himself, if he sometimes strays from this divine presence, God immediately recalls him by communicating with him through the Holy Spirit. This often happens to him when he is busiest with his work. He responds faithfully to God's call, either by offering his heart to God by a tender, loving look, or by some affectionate words such as, My God, I'm all yours. Do what you will with me. Then it is almost as if this God of love returns to his soul to rest again, to satisfy with these few words. Experiencing these things makes this brother certain beyond all doubt that God is always in the depth of his soul, no matter what he does, what happens to him.
his work here. He chooses to depend on us and to use us as his instruments in this world to be his hands and feet. We are deeply dependent on the vine. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And yet, God says, I choose to use you, to depend on you to accomplish my work. He is the vine. We are the branches. We have that relational closeness with God. Yes, we strive to be more intentional in our worship of God throughout our day. I remember asking my wife once what she thought it meant to abide in Jesus and his love. And she asked out loud, how do our children abide in our love? And then she answered herself, children don't have to do anything. They just enjoy it. They just receive it. They just rest in it. And there's this tension, right? Because I'm telling you to go do something different. And at the same time, stop trying to. You are one with the mind through faith in Jesus. Just rest in Him. Just stop long enough in your day, throughout your day, to rest in Him and His work and His love and His joy. All of those things are mentioned here in this and he says, if you do that, then I will bear fruit for you. The freedom you have through the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us say with Joshua, I will devote him. I will work for and worship.